You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. We've been dabbling in the book of Ephesians, the last few chapters of Ephesians at, here at the beginning of 2017 because we're saying we want to do something new. And Paul is doing something brand new called the church back in the first century. And he's writing a letter to uh, people. They didn't call it the church back then, by the way. They called it like the fam, the, the way. They had lots of names for it, but church came much later, comes through the German language, which did that even exist then, Joel? Exactly. So anyway, he's doing a new thing called the church because we speak English. And uh, he's given a lot of instructions to the Ephesians. Ephesus is in modern day Turkey. They're a, a Roman uh, colony. And uh, in the last three letters of the chapter, it's a lot of instructions, but I have to remind you about these instructions because the Bible has become a book of instructions and that's a problem. Uh, People think that they have to follow the rules and that's the essence of being the church. And so we kind of still have to do something new too because we don't want to do that. We're trying to be the church like Paul was writing to the people in Ephesus. And uh, it's important to note that the, the relationship that Paul had with these people in Ephesus was one of deep love. When they said goodbye to each other in Acts, they were crying on the beach together. Um, and uh, also, the, the fir- we're, we're dealing in these instruction parts of, the, of the, the letter to the Ephesians at the end, but the first three chapters, like half the book, is all about the love of Christ and how it's binding us together, who we are made new in Christ and in in Christ's love. So that's where we start from, rooted and established in love. And and we're able to like, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? And Paul's giving some instructions. And we we are feeling like that at the beginning of a year. Thanks, you know, to the beginning of a year, the calendar changed. What might we do new? And we've been thinking about that for a while. I think the beginning of, uh, of 2017 is an especially good year for some newness because there's... Uh, all kinds of new challenges that are that are in the air. Uh, new raids last week on undocumented immigrants across the country. Uh, new threats of organized white supremacists. I saw on Facebook that there was a KKK flyer that got blanketed across Merchantville. A flyer. This is New Jersey. Merchantville. It's right over there. Um, you know, new drone strikes that are being investigated in Yemen and whether uh, the United States was responsible for killing an eight-year-old. Um, you know, new debates about what the nation's politicians should or should not do, can and cannot do. There's just a lot of new stuff in the air. And I think coming along with some of those challenges is a new awareness that is actually worth celebrating. Uh, an awareness that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. People are catching on to this and people are getting uh, a taste for what that, that is like. So there were like these big protests across the country and people that it would never consider themselves protest people are showing up in Philly and DC and LA and they're, and they're, and they're making their, their voices heard. Did y'all hear about this one? Uh, you know, people are getting more engaged in the, in the electoral process. This is a picture of Jason Chaffetz um, he had a town hall meeting yesterday. He's in Utah. He's a representative. And, you know, they're on break, uh, the, the, the Congress, and they go back and talk to their people. So he's having a town hall meeting. And this is what he faced. He kind of got booed out of the auditorium. 
because they really didn't like how he was aligning himself politically. And they're like showing up in Utah. Uh, he left when they wouldn't stop chanting, your last term. Or maybe closer to home in, uh, in PA, people were talking to Pat Toomey, uh, who's a, a senator over in Pennsylvania, and they, were, they, they filled his voicemail boxes up in all of his offices uh, because they really wanted to tell him what they were thinking about what he was doing. It's a, I think it's a new era of political engagement. Some people are really angry. Some people are disappointed. Uh, some people get excited about like a show of force. You know, people are going to rise up. But you know, some people are, are confused. Some people are disoriented. Uh, some people don't know what to make of it. Um, how, how are you feeling about the political climate? Not like, what do you think? I mean, we, we can think lots of different things. I'm interested in how you're feeling about it. Uh, what, what's rising up, up in you? Take, take a check-in right now. Like, how, I, I just listed a whole bunch of things, and you might disagree or agree with lots of it. Um, but how does it make you feel? Check in with yourself for just a second. Hope, despair, anger, compassion. I think with all this newness swirling around, it's tempting to, to hide under a rock and stuff whatever feelings you're feeling down. Any uncomfortable feeling, move on, go back to Netflix and chill. Remember Netflix and chill? Remember when, remember when I wasn't even aware that I had a, a part in this bigger thing, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of you're still there, and it's fine if you're overwhelmed. Don't don't feel judged. Um, that's the worst statement ever. Don't feel judged. Sorry, I'm not going to say that again. Because um, if you feel judged, you feel judged. I mean, come on. Okay, don't do that. No, okay, that's enough. Here in Circle of Hope, though, here among a body of Christians, I don't think that this awareness is something new. I think that we have been woke up for a long time. Jesus woke us up, and we've been working in this alternative for a while. Circle of Hope was founded 20 years ago because we had this sense that uh, God wasn't satisfied with the status quo. Um, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he didn't want to keep creating a, a mediocre ritual culture. Uh, we something new to reach new people. We had that sense of ourselves, and we still do. We're an alternative to a lot of what we're talking about. Uh, we, are t we, are, we say in our, in our mission statement that we are going to resist and restore with those called by the Holy Spirit. We still think that people are being called to us to resist and restore. Uh, Jesus's mission in the world, he proclaims it uh, in Luke 4, when he's quoting Isaiah, it's the beginning of his ministry, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Good news to the poor, captives released, oppressed set free. This, is all, this all has a spiritual aspect to it, but it also has a political, and Jesus made that clear. 
Christian, and I think Christians ought to get excited when thousands of people are in the street aware that they're part of something bigger and that they have something to say. I think that kind of tuned inness is where God is going to get into their story. And that's where, what I get most excited about. Um, Christians uh, are going to get with them in advocating for the poor and the release of the captives, but they're also going to get with them, get alongside of them, working together to do something that needs to be done. Uh, this new awareness in the air, this being a part of something bigger, uh, being ready to band together uh, in new ways, uh, this need to have our voices be heard, that we must or we might be overrun. This awareness, again, is an opportunity for Jesus and for his church because knowing that you're part of something bigger, I think that's the, that is one of the first steps in becoming a Christian, that I might be more than just me, that my desires might not be the end of the universe. I think it's an opportunity for us. You know, though, again, this, this isn't new for Christians because the government has always needed to be resisted. There are lots of things that I protested during the last president's term. I'm still protesting the same thing. My big, my big one is drone warfare. Um, but there are lots of things to be protested uh, right here in Pensacon. We just, did you know we just elected a new mayor in the town of Pensacon? It's not your town if you don't live here, but we live here at least in that we own this building together, and there's a new mayor. The mayor gets chosen off of the board, the town board in Pensacon. So they just go around on the merry-go-round. It's interesting. Um, but it's a woman this time. That's interesting. I, I kind of think of Pensacon as an old boys club politically. That is way too much information, sorry. Um, uh, you know, there's lots of ways that we can get involved, things that need to be resisted here as well as on a national level. But again, I'm not going to make, this isn't like a political rally. I'm not trying to get you to get all excited about whatever political cause. I'm trying to get you to feel this sense of of awareness that's in the air, this, this engagement that's happening. And I think we can harness it for good. You know, I don't want to harness it for consolidation of power, for the rise of a new ideology or the same old ideology better expressed this time. I want to do the alternative. All these power structures from Washington to the town halls around us, they are not our biggest fish to fry. We as Christians have an even bigger enemy and Paul gets at that at the, end, at the very end of Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brothers and sisters, be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Then he goes on to talk about all the different things that God has given us to, in order to stand firm. But this, 
these principalities and powers. This is the bigger thing that Christians have been banding together to confront since the beginning of the Jesus movement. Yes, there are flesh and blood versions of these principalities and powers and rulers, but there's a spiritual battle happening as well. I think that our current division that we're experiencing in the United States or even in Camden, the, all of the, they, they can't get together either to do something. Um, that division that's happening is one of the tools of the, the principalities and powers to keep us divided because it's a silly <laughs> uh, lie that we don't have more in common. Most of the people in the world have more in common than we have uh, in difference. And in Circle of Hope, uh, we're trying to bring people together to recognize that we have a counter strategy to that division. And it's, it's not choosing sides in the same old fight. It's not hopping on the battle line of a pre-existing army. It's getting into an alternative. Not this side or that side, Jesus' side. Not my way, not me first, not even you first, Jesus first. Some Christians have taken this passage here in Ephesians 6 and they've made it into kind of, uh, no, it's all that really matters is the spiritual stuff. You know, don't look at the flesh and blood principalities and powers at all because this is what Paul's talking about. He's saying this is what we have to focus on. And I think that's true, but I'm a both-and person every practically. And I think Jesus is too. He's finding a way through all of the conflicts that he comes into. Those kind of people where we're, we're saying, no, there's a better way. And Jesus himself is our way. We're expanding uh, the definition of what is like a churchy thing. You know, like the spiritual stuff, that's the stuff that you're supposed to talk about in your cell meeting or in your, uh, in this meeting, we're only supposed to talk about, you know, the stuff that has to do with your heart and your spirit. That's the, that is what is church, you know, your own private little spiritual sphere. And we're expanding that. Another one of our Proverbs says that we've repented from the separation between sacred and secular. Life is one whole cloth. And I think that's true. And I think we make that true when we build an alternative reality that is not only based in the love of Christ, but expresses to the world uh, what that means in specific ways. Uh, like, um, let's not uh, bomb eight-year-olds in Yemen. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Although, obviously, it, it's complicated. What I get from Paul here in Ephesians 6 is, hey, you have a ginormous task ahead of you. Don't think you can do this alone. Don't even try to bear any of this burden alone. I've just spent a long time telling you all these things you need to do, all these instructions, but the last thing I'm going to say to you is God's going to help you do this, and you all are going to do it together. Tricky thing about reading the Bible in, uh, in English is we, I say y'all as a theological perspective. If you hear me say y'all, I adapted it when I was 14 years old when I moved to West Philadelphia, and then I put the twang on it somehow. But I say y'all because I need to speak to you all, all the time. 
and the Greek language that the New Testament is written in has that distinction all the time. So we read the Bible, we hear, we, we hear you. Oh, that's me. You, 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 you. Oh, it's so convenient, the English language. Maybe that's why we're all so self-centered, because we speak English. Um, but it's, it's y'all. Uh, the, the, the exhortation that Paul makes to the Ephesians here is you all. Um, strengthen yourselves. I use the King James here because I had to find it in English. It has this reflexive. I don't have to get into all the, the Greek of it, but there's a plural uh, happening there. I also went looking for the King James Version because it had brothers in there. I added the sisters. King James didn't do that. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate Adelphoi as siblings and say brothers and sisters to include all the women here too. Another kind of multitudinous part of this word is put on the whole armor of God. Getting into the Greek here a little bit. And I, I didn't, I, I wanted to like make a mashup of all my favorite translations because the whole armor of God sometimes gets translated as the panoply of God. Panoply. That's a cool word. I had to, I had to look up exactly what it meant. We use it now like a panoply of grapes. Every single kind of grape you can think of. It's a pan. Um, but what it means specifically in this context is, no, all of the armor. You know, helmet. Uh, that's the panoply. And, of course, you know, I'm talking about uh, how I'm, I have my, my, my difficulties with drone warfare. And then I come to Ephesians and I got Paul talking to me in this war metaphor. And I got to go with it. But I go with it because, especially because it has this, these spiritual implications. My war is against not flesh and blood. That's where it breaks down when I'm doing something. If I'm going to have a fight, I'm going to fight evil. Uh, my tactics are different when it comes to fighting actual flesh and blood because I'm following Jesus who died on a cross and told me to love my enemies. You know, the sword of the spirit doesn't do much in a firefight. And it's, that, it, it's, it's not good, except maybe to strengthen the hearts of those who are in it. If you're, if you're working with the status quo then, again though, you're, you might just kind of let this click into your militaristic idea of the world. And you might, you, I think you could use this as an endorsement of militarism. And, and some people in the church have done that. But it's not, because we're fighting against these principalities and powers of darkness. And in that sense, I can really get excited and get rallying, uh, you know, to be part of the army of God, because we need an army, because we're in our, our spiritual panoply. Here's how the people who wore panoplies back in the day fought, though. Uh, the panoply uh, kind of got invented by the, the Greek hoplites, and they fought together in a, in a, in a revolutionary way uh, and actually defeated the giant Persian Empire way back in the day because they fought together. Have you all heard about the Greek phalanx in World Civ class? They would get, or maybe you saw it in the movie 300 or something like that, they'd get their shields together and they'd fight as a unit. They figured, you know, the Persians would come at you with all their, like, you know, tons and tons of guys. 
but if you if with with a smaller force that are disciplined and fighting together instead of alone they manage to defeat this like giant empire and uh i think that's the the way that that we also need to fight this battle that we are we are called to together don't try to do it alone god's given us the tools and he's also giving us the 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 war strategy do it together do it kind of like a phalanx maybe Back in 2005, uh, when the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq were, like, raging, uh, there, the Army came out with this recruitment campaign called, remember, the Army of One? Do you remember this? It was hard for me to find this image because the U.S. Army has buried this campaign as a major failure. Um, it didn't get people to sign up to be a part of the Army. And everyone in the army hated it. Because if you come into the army saying, I'm going to be an army of one, the drill sergeant's first job is to beat that out of you. Because the only way you're going to survive is if you're going to be an army that's a team. No, it's an army. You have to learn you're going to protect the guy next to you, and he's going to protect you. Um, you survive because the guy next to you has your back but I don't blame the marketers for giving this a shot because it stirs something in me that I could do something so brave it has a nice ring to it it's it's crazy and it never it would never work as a strategy but it still resonates I think uh, I actually you know I, I'm kind of dyed in the wool peacemaker but I remember seeing those uh, super um, Superman doing super things and being a little stirred. Uh, because we we we're, we've been working so we've been working on trying to make small changes and this is the small change that I'm going to recommend to you is to to move from being an army of one to being an, being on a team. And it's a hard thing to do and if you're honest, you can figure out the ways that you are kind of stuck in just doing it for yourself in various ways. A story that illustrates this that I've told at this meeting before, but it's so, it's so perfect and, and, and it was really important to me. I want to tell it again. I have a prop. I'm going to pass this around. I circled a spot. This is in uh, uh, the Pine Barrens in Wharton State Forest where I made a wrong turn at Constable Bridge. And I was going to pass it around. You can take a look at it. I was, I was going on a hiking trip trying to get to the uh, Molica River Wilderness Campsite, which is just about four miles north of Batstow Village in the Wharton State Forest. Who's been to Batstow? Yeah, all right, we got some pineys in here. Um, and uh, you, had to, you, you started on one side of the Molica River, and at Constable Bridge, you crossed over to the other side, and then it was just a few more miles up to get to where I was trying to go. I had a bad backpack. It was only designed uh, for a short walk. I had sneakers on, not, not hiking boots. And at Constable Bridge, I, I was certain that it, it, it came upon me too soon. This can't be Constable Bridge because I've only been walking for like, you know, it feels like 10 minutes. And it was supposed to be like a mile and a half or something like that, or even longer, I don't know. And I reached for my, I reached in my pocket, and I, I didn't have this map. 
it, I, I had lost it somewhere between the beginning of my walk and where I got. And I actually said out loud, and I, I, have, to, I have to say this every time I tell the story, all right then, I guess I just have my wits then. <laughs> so I went left. It seemed like the trail was blazed to the left as well. And I went left. And this army of one just kept walking because I was that sure. I was that sure that I had, that was not Constable Bridge. Most of you would have turned around after a half a mile. I decided I should have turned around after I had gone probably six miles. <laughs> and by then, I, I, I finally admitted to myself, okay, I'm not getting across the Molucca River here. And so I had, I, by then I'd gone so far that I knew I'd have to go all the way to the top to the next bridge at Atzion and then come back down the other side. And the part that I really want to get to you was uh, when I got back on the trail, when I made it to Atzion to the next, uh, they had another map at Atzion and I got to be on the map and on the trail again. It felt so good. I mean, my body felt bad from marching in the sand for so long, and I was even more tired by then. But to know that I was on the right track, that I was on the trail, that I was on the way that had been set for me, and not out on my own, making my own way by my own wits, it felt so good. And this was like a revelation to me that I don't have to make my own way that I can go the way that has been planned for me. I can get in formation and, and move together with uh, the people that I have been planted with. We're getting back in formation. Going back to that army, that military metaphor. Most, most of us are trained to go our own way. Um, if you, you might not be as kind of uh, brazen as me about it, but I think we all have this programming that we're working with. So um, to get back in formation, Paul gives us uh, some practicing, uh, some things that we can, we can practice with. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, the panoply, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. My, cousin, my, my, my kids' cousins, my nephews, got... Uh, a whole little kit of plastic, um, you know, it was the helmet of salvation. It said salvation, plastic helmet, and it, it was a really funny thing. My my little my little nephew Brennan dressed up in this plastic suit of armor, and uh, imagine yourself in. I, I think the equivalent would be like a plastic suit of armor that's like adult sized. Okay, just get in, getting into that getup let alone like the metaphor that we're working with, but just kind of imagine yourself putting on all that armor, this like antiquated stuff, you know? The translation doesn't, doesn't have like put on your fatigues and your, and your army issue boots and your, you know, your, it's, 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 it's foreign. It's weird to imagine yourself putting all that stuff on. 
And I, I like that because it's weird to think that you would be armed against the devil's arrows. It's language that's, that's strange. And, and for you to, to put that on, I think, might be a challenge for some of you. To say, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about the world in this way. To have an enemy that I can't see. To attribute to, to him this, uh, this world we're living in in a lot of ways. To identify places where there's actually darkness in the high place. I think, I think that, that that's real. But it, it's kind of it's kind of strange. It's kind of like putting on some Greek armor, uh, and I and, and for that reason, I think this metaphor applies to us in a new way. So, you know, what what's the best thing for like when you're doing something that kind of seems ridiculous? Is if everyone is doing the ridiculous thing with you? If if we all were wearing shiny bronze helmets with plumes on top of them? you wouldn't feel that much of a jerk. You know, you're like, all right, we're all doing this. It's, it's stupid, but um, we're doing it. I don't think that it's stupid, this, the, the, the helmet of salvation, the reality, the metaphor that Paul's talking about. But getting into that, especially for those of us that are just getting into a life with Christ, it's strange, and that's okay. Um, it, it is strange, and it, but it's... It's something that we're doing together. Remember, it's, it's a Delphoi. It's plural. Brothers and sisters. Strengthen yourselves. It's us. So now armed with this uncomfortable metaphor, we turn back to the news and we stand firm. But we're not alone. We stand firm, but we're, we're not um, as vulnerable as we were we stand firm, maybe with tools to resist. Our togetherness is a strategy against the devil. It's like we're getting together to be a phalanx against the darkness in this world. And, 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 and when they have a big force coming at us, that's what it seems like these days. Um, we have means to resist. But we need to stay in formation. We need to resist the temptation to go our own way or to um, fall out, to, to try something um, in the spur of the moment, uh, to, to go on a discipline that would keep us together, or just to consider the person next to us long enough to protect them. Uh, I think that that's going to be our big play. Here's some ideas for standing together. First one, ask for help. Ask for help. It's really hard to do, even if you've already received it. The other one, pursue those who you know need help. <laughs> they think they can make it. They, they, they think they, they can do it on their own. And the, the resistance that they have to your texts and your phone calls, it, it's just a little bit. If you can just get over that hump with them and help them, even when they kind of push you off, you know, please let me help you. Conv I'm, I'm begging you, let me help you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm not going to take no for an answer because I know you need some help. Can we be those type of people that kind of just horn in to people's lives? Like, no, 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 no. I'm coming over or just showing up. I know you need me to do the laundry. I'm going to do it. Um, 
Yeah, so, someone, someone on, on Facebook this week posted something like, uh, instead of saying, uh, God only gives us what we can handle, just go over and do the laundry. I think that's the Christian thing to do, and I want us to be those type of Christians. Um, I think that the, the, the best uh, reality for this to happen, the best like, uh, environment for this kind of helping to happen is in ourselves. We organize in these groups of 10. Uh, everyone's welcome at them. There are, there are 10 of them now, soon to be 12 probably in the next couple months. And they meet all over the region. And we they're like places where it's okay to get helped. <laughs> you know, like at the very least, that's what it is. And it's, it's a place where you can have that sense of being on each other's team. Uh, and it's designed to be such. I think also being at this meeting together is, is another way for us, you know, to be together. You know, I, I think that if I, I didn't do any study of like military history, but I think we probably need at least this many people to be a phalanx. You know, there's like two rows at least, and we're like, jab, you gotta have the back people like jabbing over, and the front people with their shields. You gotta have top shields too. So, you know, we're probably enough people to like be a phalanx together. But if we want to have, you know, enough to defeat the Persian Empire or defeat the, the powers of darkness in the high places, uh, being together, getting in rhythm, getting in sync together, that's what we do uh, at this meeting. One time uh, while I was in seminary, I took a class on Islam in America. And uh, the assignment was that you had to go and know Muslim people. So I, I went to a lot of uh, Juma prayers, which is the Friday prayer service. Happens in the early afternoon usually. And I went, the first one I went to was at Princeton University, and the chaplain, Sahib Sultan, was uh, organizing it like just in like a study room in Princeton. So it looks really fancy, but it's just like a room, you know. And uh, so I was there, and they were leading prayer, and I, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm like just kind of standing there and like, okay, and now we're praying. And I, I, I somehow managed to be like in the line of prayers. Like they were, you know, have you ever seen Muslim people pray? They're in a line, they stand up, they bow down together. There's a whole ritual to it. And when it came time to bow down, I just like kind of stood awkwardly. And I just like, st I, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna bow down. I mean, I'm here to like be with you and all, but I'm not bowing down, I can't do that. And uh, they didn't notice because they were like in their prayer zone. But then afterwards, like soon afterwards, like after the first bow, someone said, wait a sec, were you not praying? What? Oh, no, you like ruined the whole line. Like none of our prayers counted because the wall of prayer was broken. Kind of like a phalanx, this like spiritual phalanx. And I really like the image of that. I mean, I'm not going to get so um, uh, kind of... Uh, I'm not going to prescribe that to us or anything, but I really loved the image of, no, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder facing God in worship, and it really matters whether you're there or not and whether you're praying or not. I kind of I like that image, and I want to bring, bring some of that spirit to us to say, no, you, you really matter when you're in this wall of worship. Um, we're not worshiping that screen or anything. The direction is meaningless. It's more meaningful in Islam. Um, but we are uh, together shoulder to shoulder, and it actually matters. And you matter, how, what, what spirit you're bringing. So when it's time to worship uh, next time, keep, keep the line. 
you know? Hold up your shield. Uh, play your part. Uh, sing out your voice. It might be the, the weapon you use in that moment to stretch that metaphor as far as it'll go. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.